everyone, and welcome to Nintendo Everything Refresh, the official podcast of NintendoEverything.com, where we're coming at you every week with the latest and greatest news, everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. I'm your host, Nick Serpa, joined today by Nicholas Shade. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. And we've also got Dennis Gagliardato. Hello, hello. And uh, I, I, we were talking a little bit before the show, but it sounds like at least some of us are, are sleep deprived from <laughs> the crazy, <laughs> crazy week we've had here in, in the gaming world. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> no. Gamers yeah. are always very well known to get all the sleep they need. Yeah. All the eight hours they need and you know, <laughs> the doctor never tells them otherwise. <laughs> So Nicholas, you're over in in Europe. How so? The Game Awards were was this week for anyone who somehow missed all that. Uh, Nicholas, what time was the Game Awards going on your time locally? One uh, thirty in the morning. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's that's a lot to ask. <laughs> it's a bit of a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I, I was really excited for it. This was. Um. I, I I actually decided to go in person this year because I I've always wanted to go, and it finally felt like the the right time. And um, it, it was really cool getting to go and, and see it in person. I was, it's definitely feels it feels like a different type of experience versus watching it online. I believe um, yeah. We were um, well, it was just me, but I was I was sitting over not like quite in the middle, but kind of off to like the left side of the theater, and um, you, you don't really realize like how how often they're like not up on the main stage. Like like Jeff and his friends, they were bouncing all over the the. Um, auditorium and so he'd be over on like this little side stage quite a bit we could see all the crazy cameras they had set up and it was this is really quite the production they put on yeah he he it, it's very clear that he works very hard i mean you know I, I know you know everyone's gonna have their opinions towards these shows and the quality of them you know year after year but i mean you know to say he doesn't put in the work would would be an absolute lie, you know? I mean, it takes a long time to set this theater up and make sure everything runs fluidly and be on a proper schedule, um, you know, uh, you know, again, to make things run, you know, fluidly and make sure that, you know, the, the pacing is the most important part. And I feel like they absolutely nailed it this year because, mm -hmm. you know, you, the last couple of years, for sure, I think the biggest criticism um, from most people has been like, look, either it's too long or like there's just a lot of boring moments and it's just world premiere after world premiere. And it's like, look, this is no different than E3. This too is many to be... games. Too well, many game thing. announcements. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> right. And it's just like you kind of yeah. miss the point of, you know, celebrating the medium, which is what he's trying to do. And I think he absolutely knocked it out of the park this year. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. I think this was the best award, uh, game awards that we've had in several years. It's also worth knowing that even when it comes to game announcements themselves, we had just way less ads it feels and also way less trailers that are just cg cinematics we just a lot more actual gameplay shown with the games yeah. i feel which is you know it's always nice yeah i think that's the most important honestly because that you know i i the biggest problem i have especially with e3 has always been like oh here's another cinematic trailer for a game we probably won't see for another five years <laughs> you know so i would rather things be you know a little more ready and prepared and something that's a little closer by like i feel like most of what we saw pretty much was stuff coming out in 2023 rather than 2024 and beyond which mm -hmm. was really cool right um yeah no it, this definitely felt like overall like a tighter show it felt like they were going for quality over quantity and there still was a lot of a, a lot of quantity for, oh, for sure. sure, but yeah. 
there, it didn't feel like there was nearly as much filler as there was in yeah, previous it didn't, years. Yeah, it didn't feel nearly as bloated. Yeah, it, it also like, just felt like we were kind of moving through it uh, at a much better pace than we have some other years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so basically the way what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to kind of just talk through all these switch related announcements um, for the game awards because believe it or not there was actually a surprising amount of stuff including some um, stuff from Nintendo which we don't always get um, one thing I just want to shout out real quick before we get in and mostly because I, I just haven't seen a lot of coverage on this um, so right before the game awards happening right out in front of the venue there were actually a group um, some activists there and they were with a group called the Game Workers Alliance. And um, they were just being super chill. And, you know, their whole thing was they were trying to remind people about all the other things that were going on in the gaming industry this year. All these reports we've seen in regards to how some of these companies are treating their employees. And they were trying to make people who were going to the event aware of that. So I just thought that was really cool. And I wanted to shout it out because... Do you have to remember that like all these games that are being shown off, like they're made by people, you know, and yeah. we've got to make sure these people are being treated fairly and being, being paid a living wage. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was an important thing to shout out. But in terms of the games uh, itself, I mean, man, we <laughs> Switch fans are eating pretty good. And so I, I want to start off with talking about Nintendo's output and what they showed off. Um, probably the biggest surprise of the showcase for, I, I don't think anyone would have called this is, uh, another Bayonetta game was yeah. announced <laughs> at the Game Awards. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It's not I, releasing uh, in five years. Coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not. Okay, so this game is called uh, Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon. And this is a totally different type of Bayonetta game. I mean, unlike anything that this franchise has seen, it's all kind of paint like this hand-painted like watercolor aesthetic. It's kind of an isometric action game. And they're billing it as like, hey, we're going to tell Bayonetta's origin story in this game. And um, it just looks really different. It, it's I've never seen anything like it. And it's coming out in March. So like right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Dennis, I know you're a huge Bayonetta fan. What, what do you make of this? I, I think I, I fell in love right away, um, not just because of the fact that it's, you know, Bayonetta, obviously, but like I, it reminded me very quickly of you know, I, I just love the Okami um, inspired mm -hmm. art direction that they've got on it. And uh, so th that was amazing to see. I think this is refreshing. Um, when I saw the title, because uh, I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but, you know, one of my cats, you know, her name is Cereza, you know, oh. very, very much inspired by Bayonetta. <laughs> so, and uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, when the title came up, I was like, look, baby, it's you. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, no, I, it looks it looks incredible. It's super refreshing, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm stoked for it. I like that it has more of a. It looks more like a puzzle game, really, if anything, which I'm all for. I'm totally for. I yeah. love these atmospheric um, adventure puzzle games. I've I've always had a soft spot for them. So yeah, I'm super stoked for this. I think it looks great. You yeah, have you to know, name I your think next cat Cheshire now. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah, you gotta keep the trend going. I know. I yeah. thought about. It. I thought about. It. No, I think my big takeaway with this, and, and Nicholas, I do want to hear your thoughts on this as well, but I think my the big thing that surprised me was, like, Nintendo could have picked any game to show in the showcase. I mean, they have so much good stuff coming out, and they decided to take their slot that they probably paid a lot of money for to have their game showcased and highlight a spin-off of Bayonetta, basically. Um, 
I mean, I, I guess I would call this a spinoff. I don't know, maybe you guys disagree, but like, you know, Bayonetta, like a couple years ago, I mean, it, it was just big when we had Bayonetta 3 announced at the Game Awards, you know, but that kind of made sense because it was like this big tentpole release that was coming up. Um, and this feels like a smaller game. And so the fact that Nintendo is highlighting, you know, this smaller game from this IP that, you know, is not one of Nintendo's most popular franchises is like really cool and not something I would have predicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because they've kind of created an association between Bayonetta and the Game Awards due to everything with Bayonetta 3. So they just thought, hey, you know what? We don't want to talk about like Tears of the Kingdom yet, so maybe we can fill it with this instead. Right. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, awesome. Uh, Nicholas, is this like, uh, this is a very different type of Bayonetta game. Is Does this still have appeal to you or is this... You know, just, I don't know, what, what do you think? I mean, it definitely does. Just like I said, the art style is just, it's to die for. Yeah. Um, I think it's super interesting because this was actually something that was hinted at in Bayonetta 3, where once you've beaten the game, there's this, I think it's the old notebook. It's an item you can purchase that doesn't really do anything. It's kind of just an aesthetic thing. Unless you get okay. three secret keys that are hidden in the game that only unlock in the post game. If you do that, the book opens and you get like a probably like a five minute demo. It's super short, but that is literally this game. It's this art style and just probably the very start of this game playing as Cereza. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> and after That's that crazy. happened and people started finding that out, there were a bunch of theories of like, oh, what exactly is this? And well, right. now we know. <laughs> That's crazy. Gosh. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, this is. I, I do want to know more about this game because Nintendo's asking a full $60 for this release. Oh my God, are they? Yeah, really? it's a full yeah, release. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, which I, I think is is going to maybe cause some pause for some people. Not to say that this game may not be worth it because I'm sure a lot of work and clearly a lot of artistry has gone into yeah, telling this story. But, you know, right on the heels of Bayonetta 3... Um, which is just, you know, I think the type of game that most people would associate with the franchise, um, it's just an interesting choice. But I, I know there are a lot of Bayonetta fans out there who are very excited for this. And we've got a bunch of them right here. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen the um, box art? The box art is incredible. Oh, it looks like, so good. Oh, really? Lord, that's oh, some of the best oh, box art I've seen in a long time. Like, my God, the art is just perfect. It's like, I can't. I can't stress enough how good the art is in this game. Like, it's so good. It makes me it's, really, it's really want unique. them yeah. to work on other Okami. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, you're going to ask Capcom I, I also that. wonder. I also wonder if, like, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the way they kind of did the title, like Bayonetta Origins, they could have just called it that, but they're, they added this long subtitle to it, which makes me wonder, could this be, like, the start of, like, a small little sub-series of these mini, like, Bayonetta Origins franchise games, and the first um, one is just Sorezo yeah, Small Lost $60 Eden, games, yeah. <laughs> yeah, small $60 <laughs> games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah apparently Kamio was on Twitter, which, I mean, not, you know, nothing new, but he was asking Whoa. people um, what character would they like to have a spin-off game of next. I think the choices were, like, Sean, Luca, Loki, and Rodan. Um, so maybe that could be hitting, like, you know, we want to do more things like this. <laughs> right. Although, right. yeah, for the record, I think John won with, like, over half of the vote. <laughs> so sense. expect, like, a QDJ origin story at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. I'm all well, for I'm it. sure it will depend on, on how this game does. Um, mm -hmm. we got a lot of other games to talk about, so <laughs> I'm going to try and keep things moving a little bit here. Um, now, this one, I think, also came as a surprise uh, for different reasons. So Fire Emblem Engage had a little bit of a showcase at the Game Awards. Um, it had a commercial, and but the, but the main thing was they revealed the expansion pass at the Game Awards, which I don't think a lot of folks saw coming, considering the game is not even out yet. But Nintendo has been doing that more and more lately. <laughs> yeah, definitely to um, mixed reception, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, it's a they weird didn't practice. really go into a lot of detail other than that, you know, some new characters are coming, um, just some in-game items. I mean, in my opinion, they didn't really do a great job of selling this expansion pass, and so it mm -hmm. felt a little out of place. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I'm also just not a fan that, like, already, obviously, day one DLC is something that is going to be pretty contentious. <laughs> Um, and I feel it can work and be kind of palatable if it's nothing super important. Like, obviously I'm, I'm biased here, but something like Xenoblade 3, the day one DLC was purely a little bit of cosmetics and like the smallest quality of life items that ba barely had an impact on gameplay. Whereas this mm -hmm. seems to have a bit more than that, where it's, you know, the new emblem, two new emblem characters. And then I remember reading some of the description of the items, they're good but they're also kind of too good i feel in some ways like if i recall correctly the silver card that's being offered is something that cuts all shop prices by 30 percent which just seems right. like it's a little bit <laughs> something a for little like pay to win. Yeah. a little bit <laughs> but also just like for day one dlc i would hope i would want it to not be some serious amount of new content that yeah you know it, so it doesn't really feel like they're cutting off a bit of the game to resell you on day one, which is a little bit what this feels like with the emblems. Right. I, I think personally, I'm a little... Cause I feel like the whole kind of gimmick of this game is... Again, we've talked about this in a little bit in the past, but is that you can... Like, like bringing in characters from previous Fire Emblem games is a central mechanic to Fire Emblem Engage. Mm -hmm. It's not like kind of this relegated offside thing. They're kind of basing a lot of their marketing for this game around, oh, we have all these characters coming back for this game. And so I think a lot of people might have just assumed that you get some of these characters, you know, from three houses in it, because that's kind of the gimmick of the game. So it does seem a little strange to me that that's kind of the approach that they're they're taking. Um, well, like they are mention. kind of... I just feel like these characters. Yeah, it, it does feel that way. But not, not to mention, like I, I feel like uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but historically, these expansion passes, you've never really been able to purchase these things individually, right? Like it's either you get the expansion mm -hmm. pass and you get it all, or you're not getting anything. Period. Is that right? Usually, yeah. I think I think there might be a few exceptions, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like you know, it's either you know. Go big or go home. <laughs> I guess you can't just you know pick and choose what you really find interesting out of it. So you either shell out the. Oh, did they say how much this is? Twenty five dollars, thirty dollars, like that U.S. dollars. Um, uh, I don't know, but I <laughs> um, did mention it. <laughs> yeah, it's not popping up for me right this second, but um, okay. But yeah, yeah. four four waves or so. I think you can imagine probably in the twenty five thirty dollar range. Yeah, it just seems. Yeah, I don't know. It puts a bad yeah. taste in my mouth, but I, I know the game's going to be great regardless. So, because I don't think Nintendo would, you know, I'm a firm believer that you know if DLC is what makes your game good, then you inherently have a bad game. I'm sorry, um, but right. you know, and, but I don't think Nintendo's okay. going to 
do that <laughs> with Fire it's, Emblem, yeah. Yeah, it's $30 yeah. for the record. Okay. Okay, good to know. Yeah, and, and this does definitely feel like the type of expansion pass. I mean, other than, like, it is worth noting they are going to be adding a whole additional story in the fourth wave, which is coming out sometime at the end of next year. But it seems like the approach they've been taking lately with these season passes or expansion passes, as they like to call them, is we're really targeting this towards the people who are really into this game. Like, the people who want every little bit of content they can get out of it, who can easily justify paying $30 for some extra characters. You know, it's not... It doesn't look like, at least at this point, I mean, maybe once we get a better sense for what the store expansion looks like, this will change. But what they've shown off so far does not seem like they're expecting everyone to rush out and buy this thing, you know? Um, it, it doesn't seem to have the, like, the same immediate appeal that something like, you know, the Smash character, you know, reveals would have, or the Mario Kart expansion course, you know? Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it also makes it odd that, see. like... It makes it odd that they chose this to highlight at the Game Awards, of all things. Feels kind of right. random. Right. It feels to me like they're like, oh, let's get some of these smaller things out of the way, make room in our Nintendo Direct coming yeah. in February. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and one other thing they showed off, you know, I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about this too much, just because we did just get a, a second trailer for the Super Mario movie. But they did actually put out a, a good chunk of just, like, unedited film footage at the Game Awards. And um, it's basically what you'd expect, you know? This is, I, I thought it was pretty charming, seeing Mario, like, going through a pipe and just completely just getting <laughs> beaten up and obliterated by that poor thing. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it was definitely fun. I thought Toad's personality actually came through really well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Keegan-Michael Key was at the Game Awards presenting an award, and it was kind of funny. You could see him up on stage, and then you hear him voicing Toad, and it was like, okay, I can kind of see see where their mind was at when they're doing all this casting. It's all starting to come together a bit more for me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. All right, well, let's switch over to the third-party front, because um, a good amount of... And, and we are going to talk about the actual awards, too, I promise. that It is called the Game Awards, after all. But um, the announcements are why a lot of people tune in, for better or for worse. So, um, but yeah, in the third-party front, lots of surprises. Uh, I think the the big one for for the Switch in particular is uh, Hades Two. Hades, Hades, which, Hades. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Hades, Death Stranding. Not a lot of people. <laughs> are going, oh God, I wish. Yeah, I don't Imagine. know how that Switch port would perform. <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. So Nicholas, you're over there. Um, mumbling incoherently to chanting yes <laughs> yeah so i don't think you saw this coming did you i did not i mean supergiant is like the big indie studio that is known for every single game they do something different they've never yeah. had like a sequel or an expansion to any of their games they've ever made in like the last decade so mm-hmm. <laughs> i loved hades uh, i bought a few of their other games but have not gone around to playing them um and i just like man I wish there was more Hades, but I also kind of, I accepted that there wouldn't be because they're known for just doing different things and I was okay with that. So seeing that they actually are doing just a full-blown sequel to the game is so exciting. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. It yeah. Even though it is a, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a ways out still. They didn't really even have a release uh, window at this point. This is we get some more information on like early access next year, so it is a ways away, but um, but yeah, it's it's very unprecedented for them, and it really just speaks to how big of a success that game was for them. I mean, their other games have been great. I mean, I've played a few of them, but 
none of them broke out in the same way that Hades did. Not only that, but I think, you know, you have to commend them from where they started to where they are now. I mean, they've always been, you know, releasing just quality games. I mean, I remember the first time I played Bastion, and I still maintain this. I think that game's a masterpiece um, with some of the best soundtrack, like one of the best soundtracks in video game history. Um, but, you know, how much, how far they've come to the point where... I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like when they're when the studio name popped up, I mean, mm -hmm. the place seemed to have roared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Like so, you know, that studio Supermassive Games, you see that name, and that's become a symbol of quality now. And uh, yeah, it was just super exciting to see. I think the art direction once again looks absolutely phenomenal. Hades, just to echo what you guys said, and really to echo what everyone feels. I don't think I've heard one bad thing about it. That game is phenomenal, and uh, Hades too just looked equally as great i mean it really did just look so polished and, and beautiful yeah this i haven't played the first hades yet but i am very interested in it because i've heard that even though it's a roguelite it doesn't feel like one as no, much because mm -hmm. of the way that the narrative is designed yeah which it just sounds really cool it's super fluid and take it from me who like whenever i see rogue pop up in the summary of a game i'm moving on i lose interest immediately <laughs> i'm serious i can't stand like rogue games i really can't so Hades really opened my eyes to what that genre can be. However, I will say still nothing meets the quality and fun of Hades because I've tried other ones that, you know, once Hades kind of eased me in. And then I was like, nope, nope, yeah, this is still how I feel about this genre. <laughs> and then so mm, yeah. Hades is really the only one where I'm like, yes, no, this is, this is fantastic. Just like you said, because of that narrative that's so seamless and flows almost naturally with some of the best voice acting I've ever heard in my life, quite frankly. Right. And I guess it's worth noting that this game technically has not been 100% confirmed for Switch yet. They just announced the game, but it seems extremely likely that it will come to yeah, Switch because, yeah, there's no reason for it not to. Yeah. One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's really exciting. Um, another big surprise uh, was of all the superhero IP that I might have predicted to show up, I did not expect Hellboy to get a announcement. Um, we're getting a... This is also a roguelite, apparently, which they did not mention when they mm -hmm. announced the game, but we're getting a Hellboy roguelite <laughs> action-adventure game. Um, it's called a Hellboy Web of... I think it's pronounced weird. Hellboy Web of Weird. And, yeah, it's, it's I guess, a story-focused action roguelite game featuring Hellboy, which... Yeah, so I don't really know much about who Hellboy is other than that he has these weird goggle things that are, like, baked into his head. But do either yeah. of you guys have any additional insight? <laughs> well, they, they used to be horns. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah see, so is what I know. Yeah, you never Hellboy watched... is not really a major brand nowadays. Uh, not know? really, no. I mean, it definitely had its heyday during the Guillermo del Toro films um, when, they, when those were around. But, yeah, and then they tried to reboot it again with David Harbour, like, maybe just a couple of years ago. I don't think that mm -hmm. did particularly well in the box office. So yeah, which, which mm -hmm. is a shame because I think Hellboy has a fascinating universe, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than Guillermo del Toro, that IP hasn't been used particularly um, well, I feel. Yeah. Um, this game reminds me like very similar um, aesthetically to that John Wick game that came out a few years ago. That, I think oh, it's called John Wick yeah. Hex. That's right, yeah. It's got that, that very same kind of just... I, I mean, it's a very beautiful, like, cell-shaded art mm -hmm. style. It also looks very similar to Sable, now that I think about it. We've seen a lot of games with this art style lately, but um, I'm here for it, man. <laughs> um, I don't know why it has to be a roguelite, though, because I feel like... I don't know. 
this would be a really good chance to tell like a really cool story with this character and maybe bring in some new fans, but I think it's going to have a harder time bringing in new fans with this type of structure. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's yeah. my prediction. It's definitely in It's definitely a choice, right? It's not something you see often for like a <laughs> licensed game. Right. Right. Um still really cool. Wasn't expecting it. Um this one definitely got some folks excited uh, when I was sitting in the auditorium. Um, also, just a side note first. Every time the Switch logo came up, uh, it didn't matter what it was for. I think everyone thought it was going to be like Metroid. <laughs> and so everyone just lost their minds every time the Switch logo <laughs> came up. And then things would get really quiet when people were like, wait, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we cheering for? Yeah. yeah. I, I really did think, oh, and there was one moment in particular. I know it was all just wishful thinking on my part. It ended up being for the Star Wars game that they showed off at the Game Awards. But there's one part where they brought up the screen on stage, and there's this weird, like, cryogenic, futuristic chamber and all this sci-fi stuff around it. And there's this this woman, like, floating in the cryotank. And I was like, oh my god, this has to be Metroid. I was sitting there clutching the sides of my head, about to lose <laughs> my mind. And I was so, so disappointed. <laughs> uh, that one's on me. But I one hell of a redesign for Samus. One. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, really. I know. Again, wishful thinking, but but I, I, I'll tell you uh, what. Though, Metroid aside, I, I do th- I do think that game looks fantastic. I know it's not coming to Switch, but that game looks, oh, looks it great looks really good. Because yeah, Jedi really Fallen good. Order was like wow. I mean, that game really blew me away. Like I went in with like I feel like pretty moderate expectations, um, but man, it, it it exceeded that like tenfold. I, I thought it was really great. Yeah, one of the best Star Wars games is sure. has been the common consensus. Um, but anyways, we're not talking about that because it's not coming to Switch. So who cares, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I very much care. Uh, but here's something that might be coming to Switch that was shown off at the Game Awards. Earthblade, the next 2D side-scrolling adventure from the makers of Celeste, excitingly. Yeah, it's um, got me hyped. Yeah, and this one is a Metroidvania, which is a big shift for them, because um, Celeste was, as far as I recall, just very stage-based. And so it'd be cool to see what they do with you know, taking their very sharp platforming and putting them in this slightly bigger structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it'll work really well just because, like, even though Celeste, like you said, was a very sort of straightforward sort of, you know, stage-like platformer, um, it definitely had the workings in terms of, like, the map structure itself. It definitely had the workings of a Metroidvania. So, yeah, it, and that game was just absolutely incredible. So, and then seeing this clearly pixel art is still on point i mean because wow mm-hmm. and uh yeah and yeah celeste was just really really fantastic beautiful game so i'm like this immediately caught my attention um i'm, I'm really excited for this one yeah and um it, it almost seems like I, so I was reading a little bit of the game's um kind of summary that they provided in their pr materials and they were saying that um so you're returning at long last to earth is kind of their which makes me wonder if maybe there's like a science fiction-y slant to it. It all looks very fantasy from, from the trailer. But when I, whenever I hear like returning at long last to Earth, that's like, that sounds like there might be some science fiction, post-apocalyptic shenanigans going on here. Who knows? Um, but yeah, this one is still a little ways away. They're saying 2024 right now, um, which, hey, you know, at least they're being upfront about that. But um, definitely something to look forward to, I think. Yeah. I do think it's really funny just the title and logo have such old like maybe SNES, NES like RPG vibes. Oh for sure. 
For sure. Honestly, it looks yeah. like a mixture of like, charter, Zelda yeah. and Earthbound. Honestly, <laughs> the logo to me. I think it looks great though. I, I love yes. it. I love the colors. Yeah. I love the design. Yeah, everything about it just has so much finesse to it. I love it. Yeah, they're they're leaning into the nostalgia for sure, which I definitely cannot fault them for that because it's oh. totally gonna work. <laughs> um, all right, there's a couple other smaller things here, although some of these are interesting. So a, a crossover I don't think anyone expected. So Dead Cells has been on the Switch for a couple years now, but um, and for those who aren't familiar, it's it's a another roguelite um, action game uh, side scroller that's pretty popular. One one of the more I think well known in the genre, just broadly speaking. Um, and it is getting a crossover with Castlevania for some reason. <laughs> Konami decided they want to license the Castlevania IP to Dead Cells, which, you know, hey. <laughs> is it's Konami not a cool again? So. Are they becoming cool again? Like, what? Uh, they're, they're trying. Well, let's not go that far, but yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, trying at least. They're yeah. trying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dead, Dead Cells was cool a couple years ago, right? So, you know, it's. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. A lot of people still love Dead Cells. It just felt so random. I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure it'll be good. Dead Cells has gotten a lot of just consistent DLC and expansions over the years. It's kind of nuts. This is true. Yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, very, um, the whole aesthetics, the person sitting next to me, they were like, is this like a Symphony of the Night like remake at first? Like they didn't <laughs> know what it was. But like they were really leaning hard into that Castlevania branding. Like, I, I hope that the game looks like the vibes they were pushing out in this trailer. You know? Yeah, it was a fun animation. Yeah, because it might be the closest we get to a new Castlevania game for for the foreseeable future. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Among Us also on the Switch. Um, they got a little announcement. There's a new mode uh, that's actually already out. Just a free update. It's a, a hide-and-seek mode, which I guess is... I, I don't... Look, I'm not going to pretend like I play a lot of Among Us, okay? I don't really know <laughs> if this mode is significantly different from the other one. I felt like the main game already was kind of like a hide-and-seek game, but pretty, I digress. It's kind of just yeah. like the roles are flipped in a way. Yeah, I think this yeah, one's just okay. a little more yeah. blunt, where it's just like instead of choosing you know, who the imposter is. It's just everyone just knows right away, and it's like, okay, just stay away from them, basically. Go hide and avoid. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, but yeah, that well, at least it is a free update, and it is already out, so you can probably go play it right now. Um, and then, yeah, the, one other final thing for the Switch. This was just a really quick thing they showed off in an ad. We talked about it a little bit previously on the show. But um, there is a remake of Colossal Cave Adventure, of all things, coming to Switch. Um, and it's, it's totally different. The original Colossal Cave was like a text-based adventure from 70s, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Well before any of us were born. <laughs> and um, for some reason, in 2023, uh, it is getting a 3D remake coming to Switch and uh, other platforms. And yeah, we now know that is coming in January. So, not too long to wait. Yep. Still don't really understand this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is a very big deal, especially for the people who were originally involved in this game. Um, but yeah, 
it's, it's a, another weird one to me. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and you're seeing a lot of this come back, which is good because I think you're introducing stuff like this to a new generation with a new perspective, you know. So, but I mean, we had what the Oregon Trail not that long ago too, like the get remade, you know, and then now it's this. It's all these old, you know. I, I just I'm expecting like like Pong remastered to <laughs> come out soon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, funny that you mentioned that actually, Dennis, because no joke. Um, Atari has actually been remaking a lot of their older arcade games oh. and um, putting a lot of them on the Switch. Like they just put, they put out like a Centipede Recharged and Asteroids Recharged and um, a bunch of kind of rematches. So Pong they have not done yet, but mm. I would not be surprised. Wait for it's on the way. E.T. for Atari Remade. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. E.T. Uh, Deluxe. There you go. And that pretty much wraps up um, all the Switch-based announcements. Um, again, lots of other great games shown off. Um, I really want to talk about some of them, uh, but we're, we're really short on time because there's so much stuff to talk about. I think we should actually probably talk about the awards <laughs> portion of the Game Awards. Um, Nintendo had a pretty strong showing. They were nominated for a bunch of awards this year across a ton of different categories, and they won quite a few of them. Um, very worth celebrating, in my opinion. Yeah. Bayonetta 3 won Best Action Game, um, which is very cool. Up against some some stiff competition in that category, and it really could have gone a lot of different ways. Um, but yeah, Best Action Game going to our lovely little Bayonetta 3 that just came out. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah, and, and you could tell um, they, that was a surprise, I think, even to when Doug Bowser went up on stage for that one to accept it. Even he seemed a little, like, surprised and excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was like, man, I expected to really warm my seat tonight, but, you know, it looks like I had to get up and, uh, you know, burn a few calories. What an inconvenience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an inconvenience, yeah. Um, yeah, and this is cool. He was called out the folks at Platinum Games. He was like, oh, I'm sure they're watching over in Japan. And I'm like, oh, that's got to be cool, you know, especially working on a project like that after everything the Bayonetta franchise has gone through. Of um, course, yeah. That's a very cool award. Um, best Family Game. Now, this was a category that <laughs> would have been really shocking if Nintendo just didn't win because they had um, four of the five <laughs> nominations. Um, but they did. They won, uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land uh, won Best Family Game. Um, now that's an interesting one to me. I, we talked about this a little bit in the past because it is a single-player game. Right? Or do yeah, you mean, you can, elements, yeah, you can technically do co-op, yeah. Okay. Hmm. But it, when I think family game, it doesn't jump to mind in the same way that something no. like Switch Sports does. Right, or Mario Party or something like that. I mean, honestly, right. the category would do better if it was just renamed Best Nintendo Game, because that's basically what it ends up being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly. Um, yeah, honestly, if I'm being totally fair, though, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, the one non-Nintendo game on there, is really a, a, a totally great choice for that award as well. Yeah. Just definitely. because that game has such a strong focus on local co-op. Everyone knows Star Wars. You know, it's it's Legos. I mean, what's not family-friendly? Yeah. That game I mean, was I'll, packed with content, too. I will take Kirby winning, though, because I just... I mean, I thought... I think Kirby and the, and the Forgotten Land is just... It's one of the best Curry games they've made, and I'm just happy to see it getting any amount of recognition. Oh, I feel, yeah. I still feel like it should have been nominated for, like, Best Action Adventure, personally. <laughs> I'm sure that's not necessarily a popular choice, but man, I'm just happy to see it getting something. Mm. Yeah. No, but, I think there's a case to be made there. 
I think it's one of the best games to come out this year, personally. Um, I thought that game was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, just like you said, Nicholas, I think it's one of the best games in the franchise, like ever, really. Uh, yeah, so it's it's very nice to see it get that recognition and get that award that uh, it, it definitely deserves. Could it have been in more categories? Sure, of course. But I'm I'm glad that it at least got something. You know. Yeah. Totally. Um... Yeah, and, and, you know, kind of similar to how you guys feel about that, I was really excited to see Mario Puzzle Rabbids Sparks of Hope mm -hmm. win Best Sim Strategy oh, yeah. Game. Because, yeah. man, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm sure I'm a little biased because <laughs> I'm not a huge strategy guy in the first place, and that one just really clicked with me. But that game just did a lot of really cool things and really pushed the genre forward, in my opinion. And so um, I, I think it was a, a really fair and and good choice for to win that award yep not super surprising winner yeah. i'm still looking forward to playing that game at some point when it goes on sale yeah i would recommend it just man be ready to set aside some hours because it's, <laughs> it's definitely longer than than i assumed yeah. going in um well worth it though uh best multiplayer game splatoon 3 took that one uh which is very exciting because up against some very stiff competition uh, with multiverses in particular, that one got a lot of buzz this year. Call of Duty games obviously always have a lot of brand power. Um, Overwatch 2, <laughs> you know, that was its competition also, though. So maybe Splatoon 3 had a good chance from the start. <laughs> My impression is that Overwatch 2 fans were happy Splatoon 3 won, which I think says a lot. <laughs> Dennis, what, what say you? <laughs> um, you know, I... I... It was definitely shocking. Um, do I think it's deserved? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it's not, but you know, I, but it's it's weird when you look at the other nominees, where it's just like honestly, like, it's, it was just surprising just because of its take on multiplayer, right? The rest uh, that were nominated definitely had their own sort of spin on, you know, or more a more traditional take on, you know, what what a first person shooter typically is, um, but. But yeah, I mean, it was. I think it's deserved for the most part. Um, it's just my only, I think, gripe with it was I was thinking of it in terms of like, wow, you know, Splatoon three wins best multiplayer, you know, and I mean, Splatoon three is a crazy amount of fun, but you know, what does that say when you know the biggest criticism for Splatoon three, as was Splatoon two, was this is the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other right, than like a story right. mode. So it's like, okay, well, clearly we can just sell the same product and uh, win some awards. So let's let's keep up the good. Clearly, yeah. it says that it's a very solid, well-built game that needs no improvements, Dennis. Yeah, Obviously. Fair enough. <laughs> well, fair enough. I was going to say, when, when half of the competition barely functions at, so out of the gate, too. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's really cool. It's I, I think... You know, again, with any of these categories, I'm not saying that any of the games didn't deserve to win because all these games had a lot of time and effort poured into them by the developers, but really cool to see something like Splatoon win best multiplayer for sure. Um, and in this last category that Nintendo won in, uh, the official name is Most Anticipated. I like to call it a Most Pre-Ordered Game at GameStop because <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom won most anticipated game. That's over the new Final Fantasy, over Hogwarts Legacy, yep. Resident Evil 4, Starfield. Um, I don't really know how they measure most anticipated. I guess it's like anything in the Game Awards. It's a mix of like, you know, 
popularity votes from fans and what critics think. And so I know we're all very excited for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that honestly didn't surprise me when it won. I was thinking either that or like, even though the other games were absolutely incredible and all absolutely hype worthy, um, it wouldn't have shocked me if Resident Evil 4 had won. And I honestly thought it was going to only because of the history that that game has had and how long people have been asking for a remake for it. So, you know, mm -hmm. now that it's, you know, coming to fruition, like it's, you know, it's, it's huge for so many people. And I mean, if you thought two and three sold well, my Lord, four is going to, that, that, that's going to do some numbers for Capcom. I, I really do believe that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I think uh, Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom, it, didn't it win most anticipated game like last year as well? <laughs> so it, it was it, very it anticipated have. last year. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's still very anticipated. That was late on purpose just so they can win another award this <laughs> year. Uh, that might be their strategy. Yeah. Building up a little collection there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think now, fans, it's a, that's what it's going to be. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it, Tears of the Xenoblade fans, let's be uh, real. Uh, Z, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 did not win any awards this entire event. I, I do want to put into perspective that Nintendo won awards in literally every category their games were nominated in, except for the ones where Xenoblade was nominated in. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> it's, uh, mm, yeah. Uh. I mean, on the one hand, like, Xenoblade was never going to win Game of the Year. It might have won our best RPG, but that was, that was a, a really far shot with Elden Ring being there. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, thing I is know like, Elden Ring is an RPG, but I, I, to me, like, Souls-like games, that whole subgenre, it feels like a totally different genre to yeah. me. I agree. I, I, I've had, <laughs> I've been thinking this a lot, but I see why it's nominated as best RPG. I still think it should be best action adventure. And I think in general, the best RPG category is just has some very odd choices sometimes. Like them putting mm -hmm. Monster Hunter games under best RPG certain years, which is just, it's not, <laughs> it's not right. But yeah. it was going to <laughs> win that. Right, <laughs> it was, Elden Ring is always going to win that just because it's Elden Ring and it was one of the favorites. What mm -hmm. really stings is best score. Game of the year. I just yeah. oh, best score hurts. Yeah. That was that was the big one where I was like, wow, really? Because that went to didn't that that went to God of War, right? Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, so yeah, I was mm -hmm. really surprised. Like that was if any category that it should have won. Absolutely, I think that yeah. that should have been the one for Xenoblade. Yeah, so that was. And really I mean, surprising. like no dig at, on God of War, but I feel like if Xenoblade didn't win, there were other some of the other nominees definitely. I think deserved it a little bit more. Like I have not heard anyone heap praise on God of War's music. I've heard a lot of praise for Ragnarok in general. But I don't yeah. think I've heard anyone say like, oh, the soundtrack is like sublime or whatever. And hmm. I mean, I've heard that for Elden Ring. Metal Hellsinger is based around its music. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's one of the main things you hear with Xenoblade games in general. And that, you know, it still stands for three, that the music is one of the highlights so that, right. that was definitely that that one annoyed me <laughs> that one annoys me just a I, little bit <laughs> it, it, i think soundtrack is is probably one of the harder categories because with a lot of these things you can quantify these games in other ways you can be like okay uh best fighting game well you know this game had these technical issues this game wasn't very well balanced etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it comes to something like music i mean that is i think even more um you know just 
people, a much wider, like, how do I put the right words to this? There when are, when like, it comes to like really good music, it. yeah, you know, like how do you quantify something yeah. as in, like like a fully orchestrated soundtrack in the same way that you quantify like game design? You know, like they just right. they're very different. Yeah. And so when you get to like you're comparing God of War's soundtrack with Xenoblade 3's soundtrack, like they're all just excellent in their own ways. You know, how do you really say what's yeah. the best? I think um, part of it for me is that it kind of feels like the Game Awards, te- when it comes to best score, tends to lean towards like movie theater style scores where it's like big bombastic things that you hear in the in the moment but don't mm-hmm. really have an impact by themselves they're there to like sell the moment in game which is kind of the case for all for all video game music but i feel like other soundtracks like xenoblades you can listen to the music by itself and still appreciate it very well like as a piece of music standalone yep. which i think is what kind of edges it out for me <laughs> I like even right. just for the orchestra performance, which was, you know, it was very good. But I think out of all the songs that played, the only ones that stood out to me for were Horizon and Xenoblade 3 segment, because all the others just felt similar. And that kind of is kind of just the orchestra in general, where they just kind of had everything be very uh, not samey, but just kind of blend into each other so that it felt like a cohesive piece. But still, the fact mm-hmm. that Xenoblade 3 kind of stood out the most to me, I feel like just speaks to the fact it had one of the stronger soundtracks of the nominees. Anyways. Man, you know, <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> having me thinking about, like, when I was sitting in the audience, and, you know, I actually didn't feel like being in the auditorium. It was actually harder to hear the orchestra than I felt like it was over the live stream really? in the previous years when I've watched it. Yeah, something about the acoustics of that room, I felt like I was missing a lot of the, the notes in the orchestra, a lot of the different instruments, it all kind of muddled together. Hmm. So I was like, I'm going to go back and re-listen to this once I get home. Um, but anyways, so that that is the Game Awards in a nutshell. Lots of cool announcements. Nintendo brought home uh, quite a few awards. Maybe not <laughs> the ones that, that everyone wanted. Well, I, I do um, also want to note just quickly, some great representation. even if Xenoblade 3 did not get any awards, it got nominated for some big categories, and I think that's the most important thing. So I'm not that salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it even got nominated for a Game of the Year, yeah. I think alone is that, that, that alone is huge, so it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, which really just goes to show like the weight that the Game Awards have kind of established for themselves in the industry over the past six, seven, eight years that the show's been running. Mm-hmm. Um, it has really become the industry thing. So, I mean, regardless um, of whether people so, think they are valid or not, because there's still a lot of people that think they just don't matter or kind of a scam or whatever, like they have weight just through their name and the fact that, you know, people talk about them. I think that alone gives them some degree of validity. Totally. Um, all right. So there was other news that happened this week outside of the Game Awards, believe it or not. I know that's all everyone is talking about. Um, but uh, let's kind of switch over and talk about some of these broader industry happenings for a little bit. So we talked a little bit in the past about the craziness going on with Microsoft trying to acquire Activision Blizzard and all the legal challenges they're facing with that. And I'm not even going to get into whether or not like it's a good thing or a bad thing because it's just it's all just big companies buying other big companies. I, it doesn't affect my day-to-day. <laughs> um, but Microsoft really wants to buy Activision Blizzard to the point that um, they put out a 
they they made a actual like agreements uh, with Nintendo to and um, you know they really want to do a similar thing with PlayStation, but that was kind of up in the air. But to try and get this whole merger to go through, they signed a ten year agreement with Nintendo that says if the if the agreement goes through, they will bring Call of Duty to Nintendo platforms for ten years. Like. Just flat out, they're gonna do it, <laughs> regardless of the the technical hurdles along the way. I, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, Call of Duty has had a presence on you know Nintendo consoles before, but I think the last time was I, mean, I don't even remember which one, but I think the last time was on Wii U, um, forever ago, and that could have been Black Ops or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was or, like it was like Black Ops three yeah, or maybe even two Ghost, or one of them, something like that. Yeah, it was maybe. Either way, it was it was a long time ago. But I mean, yeah, I mean they've had a presence before. God knows, just about everything that released um, third party was also included on the Wii. I don't think Wii missed a single Call of Duty release, you know. And and Wii was pretty underpowered compared to I mean, PS3 and 360 at the time. Mm-hmm. Weren't there Call of so, Duty games on the DS? Like it was. Yes, there, there were, were actually. Yes, there was. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were all called like the Reflex Edition. Something and, like that. Uh, yeah, which I always thought was that's interesting. What, because, you know, it kind of gives them, you know, almost like a specialized port by giving them a sort of different take on the same sort of material. But, I, I but yeah, it, in, a, in a way, where we are now, where we're standing now in terms of technology, it is weird and sort of, I'm not going to say impossible because God knows the Switch has seen some pretty impossible ports, but... Um, totally. But, you know, but if you're going to tell me, if you're going to look me dead in the eye, I don't know if you guys have seen, regardless if you've played it or not, I'm, I... It's because it went around for a while. The opening mission where they're in Amsterdam and Modern Warfare 2. If you're going to look uh-huh. me dead in the eye and tell me, <laughs> yes, that can run on Switch. I, I No, absolutely not. I will break the Switch over your face. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Wow. Um, but uh, but I, I no, will I say... No, I mean, you're, not, you're totally right. Yeah. I, I don't see how they can bring over modern Call of Duty like as it is right now However, to current Switch. I, yeah. I mean... But, you know, unless they do, like, spinoffs and stuff, which, you know, no one said it was Call of Duty mainline releases. They could do Call of Duty Tactics or something, <laughs> you know, for, like, you know, do a Fire Emblem version of Call of Duty or, you know, Call of Duty Party or right. something. You know, I don't right. know. But, you know, but, yeah. Well, and the, we had, we talked about this in a previous episode. There were, like, there's so many different ways they could go about it. I mean, yeah. even, like, the, the PlayStation Vita, they had, it's... It only had one Call of Duty release, but it was built from the ground up for it. That's right. And, you know, if Microsoft is really going to get locked into this 10-year commitment with Nintendo platforms, well, they better come up with some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) You're contractually obligated now. So, I mean, hey, maybe it will have them make some unique things or... It is worth noting that they also made a commitment to just get in to Nintendo platforms, not the Switch specifically. And I think they even, right, Phil Spencer enough. elaborated later on, that it will probably take a little bit of, t- of development time to actually get this process up and running to have consistent releases. So it's very feasible that we might not get a Call of Duty on Switch, and that if a potential Switch, a Switch successor comes out in, like, say, two years, a year and a half, two years from now... We'll start seeing things come out on that instead, which presumably would be able to run it. Right. Yeah. I I, I was reading um, the comments on our story on Nintendo, everything that come about this. And I just want to read this one because it just, it made me laugh. And it pretty much echoes my thoughts exactly. Uh, From the Foo Fighter, they say, 
I always thought it was kind of weird that there was literally no Call of Duty on Switch. I don't like the series and probably wouldn't play it, but it's just kind of crazy that they looked at the third best-selling system ever and just went, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. It feels like it's the kind of thing that could print a lot of it money. It is weird. Well, um, especially, you know, I mean, you want to talk about flexibility. I mean, Call of Duty is on mobile now too, right? So it's just like, mm -hmm. I mean, why yeah. not just do a Switch version of that? Yes. You, you know about enough. that. How big is the file size on mobile? That is a great question. I don't know. Uh, I haven't downloaded it. But, um, but something like Genshin It's hard like to say games. now. Yeah, well, nowadays what they do is like the actual app download itself will be small, but you open it up and it's like, oh, we need to download an extra 30 gigabytes Dude, I, from I the internet. So I so, hate that so much. Yeah, that's yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, and it's worth noting that this whole Call of Duty thing, its this is only going to happen if the Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger goes through. And that is all very up in the air as of this weekend because it was right after the Game Awards that... Yeah. The FTC announced that they are suing Microsoft. So, I yeah, just think the whole thing is weird because everyone thinks like everybody's acting like Microsoft just walked in and like, like like a bully and was just like you belong to us now. No one took into consideration like Activision was looking for a buyer and went yeah no absolutely yeah well yeah let's yeah buy us yeah absolutely right, like right. this was Activision's idea <laughs> you know like again Microsoft didn't walk in and just be like yo we're gonna buy you whether you like it or not <laughs> you know so sure. It's yeah. a matter well, of, but like, it's you know Sony really, really does not want this to go through. They've been yeah, opposing Microsoft enough. at like every possible step. Right. Even with and like the so... whole Nintendo commitment thing, they've spoken apparently they've spoken out against it internally and said like, oh, it's not gonna happen, it's a fake thing, it's can't run on Switch, they don't have the right audience, like it's just so weird because I feel like even if it doesn't go through, I still have faith that it will, but even if it doesn't go through, I really believe just because of how they've act acted, it's going to definitely sour the relationship between them and Activision. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, even, even what's his name? Bobby, Bobby Connick, I think yeah, even he yeah. was like, you know, yeah, we don't, you know, yeah, but regardless <laughs> of how we feel about him here, he sent out an email, an internal email to, you know, every, all the staff and was just like, look, we're, we're going to, also fight to make this go through like activision wants them <laughs> you know regardless of what sony says so it's going to sour the relationship yeah. between them even if it doesn't go through so we'll see yeah we will see um probably sooner rather than later at this point because i think there's a deadline for this whole merger to go through so we should find out in the next couple of months or so i'd say unless the legal proceedings get really dragged out which they probably will i mean they are legal proceedings um, after all yeah <laughs> this is true comes with the, yeah comes with the territory yeah um so Here's another little exciting thing. Now, we already talked about Fire Emblem Engage earlier in the show, uh, but we actually got more Fire Emblem news on top of that. Well, at least over in Japan, they did. They didn't technically give us this same trailer here. But um, a few weeks ago, we were talking. We were like, are they going to show off? Like, Is there like a hub in this game like there was in Three Houses? And now we know that there is. There is going to be this kind of hub area. And um, it looks different for sure. It doesn't look nearly... I guess my main takeaway from looking at this Japanese trailer, um, which you can watch over on NintendoEverything.com, is it, it definitely looks like they've scaled things back a little bit from Three Houses. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I feel like that's not um, incredibly surprising, because for as fun as the Academy was in Three Houses, I think there were definitely some complaints that it was just a bit much, where... <laughs> It just pulled you away from the the tactical aspect of the game and focused on just like running around the uh, the hub. And I don't necessarily agree mm -hmm. with that personally because I enjoyed running around the academy, but I can understand 
where that impression is coming from. So I get why they would streamline it, but that's what they're planning to do. Right, right. Yeah, it, again, you're talking to someone who hasn't played Three Houses, but from the outside looking in, it always looked like that was kind of their way of trying to market the game to more people, you know? Because mm -hmm. this was coming out around the time that Persona was very popular, and yeah. <laughs> um, it, it all made a lot of sense. But yeah, this does kind of seem like a little bit of a course correction. Um, still seems good. There's little, some look silly training mini games. You have to like, I, there was like one like later in the trailer where like your character is doing squats and you have to like hit the dance dance revolution arrows to make them squat. It's like funny. To Sounds me. about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think what do you think, Dennis? I, I think the hub is actually like it, it's really nice. But yeah, I mean, I I, I will say I, I really enjoyed. The hub in three houses a lot actually i loved just running around and feeling like i was in this you know what at the time definitely felt like a, the equivalent to like <laughs> hogwarts you know um but sure. uh, but I, I will say i much prefer something like this i because i do feel like a lot of the academy felt shallow um there was just a lot of rooms that absolutely contributed nothing it was all window dressing right and that mm. sort of made everything feel for lack of a better word, just useless. So I'd rather have something like this. I'd rather have small, but deep focused. rather than large and shallow. Yeah, exactly. Focused. So, um, so yeah, but that's just... Either way, I mean, I think sense. it's a great-looking hub. And uh, But, I, you know, again, yeah. credit where credit's due, I thought the Three Houses hub was, was still really good. So, I, you know, I don't mind either way, you know, whether they go this route or that route. Um, you know, I, I'm just looking for a really nice, detailed hub that, uh, you know, really has that sense of immersion. Which, you know, three houses, you know, despite of what people feel about, you know, the content within it or its sort of validity, um, I, I do felt I, I do I I felt very immersed, you know, just walking around and, and being part of that world for sure. Right. Which is the whole point of something like that right. in the first Absolutely. place, I think. Or part of it. Um so yeah, uh, that game is again like coming out very soon, um, end of January. So we will definitely be talking about that game more once it gets closer to release. Um, and probably well after, because it's a long game and who knows how long it's going to take our reviewer to beat it. <laughs> um, all right, so there were a couple other um, release date announcements that we got that I just want to touch on really quick uh, before we get into, into the later segments of our show today. Um, so we've known for a little while that there's a new SpongeBob SquarePants game coming to the Switch. Um, very popular franchise, obviously. It's been a while since we've had an original game in the series. Um, there's some good SpongeBob 3D platformers out there that hit the nostalgia button pretty hard for a lot of folks. Um, so I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this one. I, I grew up on SpongeBob, so um, I'm excited to see what this kind of... It feels like a greatest hits platformer, so it could be really good. Um, but we now know this one is coming out on January 31st, right at the end of the month. So, not long for that one either. Um, do we? Are you, either of you guys? Did either of you guys grow up on SpongeBob, or am I swimming alone here? Uh, I'm gonna, not for me, sadly. <laughs> Un understandable. Not not for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I, no, I mean, I I definitely grew up on it, but that was definitely more my brother's thing. I definitely watched a lot of episodes. Like, you know, chances are, if you try to name an episode, I would know what you're talking about. Um, well, maybe not name, but if you explain an episode, I would, you know, I don't know the titles sure. for each episode, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I like it enough where I have played quite a few games, you know, in the franchise, you know, for better or for worse, um, including the uh, the rehydrated 
game that came out uh, what maybe about a year and a half, two years ago. I thought I thought that yeah. was awesome. I had a lot of fun with that one. So, um, and I'm very much looking forward to this. So yeah, I mean, I like it enough that you know I am invested, and it is something that I do plan on playing. You know, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely it definitely wasn't my you know if I had to put like top three cartoons of my childhood, it, it probably wouldn't make that list though. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's it's an acquired taste. The humor, to, I'd say, is not everyone's cup of tea. My, sure. my wife has no tolerance for it whatsoever. <laughs> which, I'm like, okay, I understand. But uh, I, I, I really hope this game leans into the memes because I feel like we're at this point now where the SpongeBob memes have um, superseded like the show itself. Yes, probably. Yeah. Just <laughs> cultural significance. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's coming out end of January. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, we also got a release date for River City Girls 2. In fact, it may already be out by the time you are listening to this, as it is coming out on December 15th. Um, and yeah, this uh, we were just talking about this last week, actually, because there's currently a... Well, this might be over by the time you're listening to this, but, <laughs> but there was a trial for the first River City Girls game, and uh, they were doing that to kind of hype up the release of this one. So... Yeah, another way forward developed beat em up to enjoy on the Switch. I will take way forward developed beat em ups over licensed Bakugan games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any day of the G- week. Given the choice, I mean. You know. <laughs> yeah, you I don't know that's know. an unpopular choice to make, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys want to know how we feel about that? Go to. Uh, we, we did review it at NintendoEverything.com. So, and let me tell you, it was not. Uh, not favorable. Did you have some words to say? <laughs> I, I had, I had some. Yes, I will put it lightly. Yes, I had some words. Yeah. How, how does and it rate my on best. the one-two switch scale? On the oh, Ooh. okay, we won't go that far. Hold on, no, no, that's is that that's... a three-point scale? Like one, two, and then switch exactly. Like the highest <laughs> yes. <team>? Okay. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, and this last one, I just wanted to shout out just because it's a weird one. So I don't know if a lot of folks have heard of this game. So. It's a rhythm game called Kizuna AI Touch the Beat. And this is the this game came out originally for VR. So this I know this game because it launched like alongside the Oculus Quest and it was one of like the 10 games in the store when that thing launched. And I never played it, but I was like, okay, I like rhythm games, I like VR, maybe I'll try it at some point. And now like all these years later they're bringing it to other platforms. So, just kind of weird, but I'm interested in it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, better late than never. I love rhythm games, so and I've I've been a fan of Kazuna AI for uh, um, quite some time actually. Is, so it's really is cool. Kazuna, to okay, is Kazuna AI like? Is this like a like up there with like Hatsune Miku, or is it not as well known? Is it I've the same no, kind of thing? Uh, yeah, well, she's more of a VTuber. That that's sort of how I found her. I, I found oh, okay. um, when Resident Evil Two remake came out. I found I just happened to run into clips of Kizuna AI um, just playing some of it and I thought it was just hilarious and then I just sort of fell down a rabbit <laughs> hole from there just watching her play random horror games and stuff That's like that but yeah apparently she does oh, rabbit hole. Interesting. <laughs> yeah basically yeah <laughs> but but yeah so I mean, when you say she does VTubing does that mean there's like a person who is always pretending to be this character or is there's um, a person inside a lot the of robot play this character yeah <laughs> that is the case with some but I think Kizuna AI is actually just like Hatsune Miku, where they're just an AI-powered um, okay. just piece of software. Yeah. Gotcha. So she's sentient, basically. Uh, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've reached that point. <laughs> have, have you seen <laughs> Terminator? Terminator? It's basically the same yeah. thing. 
Uh, yep, Terminator, and, and I've seen Blade Runner, yeah. <laughs> if, if Skynet yeah, when, were shaped like Kizuna AI and Hatsune Miku, the Earth would have been over with much faster. Much faster, yeah, much faster, yeah. The beef. <laughs> Sense yeah. of security yeah, just, like, game? blown out the window. Yeah, much more deception right. in that case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this game is called Touch the Beat with an exclamation point, so that's not a suggestion, that's a command. So you need to be careful, or nah, Kizuna I mean, will come after you. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, sure, I'll, okay, yeah. Okay. Except our new robot overlords. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, oh, no, it, it, looks, it looks like a like a like a fun little game because I'm I've always been a big fan of all the Hatsune Miku games and this seems to be um, more or less in the same direction of it. So yeah, I mean I'm yeah. all yeah, yeah, in the ballpark for sure. Um, yeah, and that one is coming out in April, so a little bit further out, but not too long to wait either for that one. Um, all right, before we wrap things up, I uh, want to talk about some of the games that actually came out this week. <laughs> We've been talking about so much about games that are coming out in the future. Let's talk about some of the games that are actually out now that you can go and download to your Switch if you feel so inclined. Uh, probably the biggest release of the week is Dragon Quest Treasures, which is the latest game, uh, more of a spin-off of the Dragon Quest franchise. It's an action RPG spin-off. I'd say a light action RPG. Um, so it's very focused around, you know, th there is like an overworld, but it's very focused on finding these dungeons and, and kind of just battling your way through. Um, Dennis, I, I know you're excited for this one. You, you haven't played it yet. Is, am I right on that? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, we were supposed to get it for review. Unfortunately, we didn't. We haven't received the code just yet. Right. I don't, I don't right. Think we will. But um, <coughs> but, <Experience>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been kind of wishy-washy lately. Uh, but you, I, I know you did get your Crisis Core review code, didn't you? I did. Yes, I That's did. Awesome. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. But I know you're probably under NDA, um, so I, I don't want to ask too many. Questions. Hey, is it out now? I can't. I'm, I'm, dude, every it these comes days out, have been It comes out very soon. Oh, okay. Yes. I got you. No, it's not quite out yet, but okay. yeah. I don't blame you for thinking that it was. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I've just been seeing people jump into it, so I, and I was I was confused because they didn't seem like press, the people that I've been playing it lately. So I don't know if they're getting early copies from like Amazon Target, you know, stuff like that. But um, but yeah, that's why yeah, I thought there's not a confused. There's not a strict NDA with this one, so I think that's okay. why you're seeing a lot of... They're okay, just playing know, the but... PSP Crisis Core with an HD texture pack. <laughs> Fair enough. And I, I, I don't fault be. them because I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm still very much interested in it. Um, to sort of. Well, you know what? I won't say anything. Once we get into the end end part of the show, okay. then I'll, then I'll talk okay. about it. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, looks really charming. Um, you can ride monsters. It's it's got really just cute art direction, and but it still seems like it's got a lot of action. Very fast paced. Very over the top. Yeah, um, looks really cute. So, I thought it was yeah. also coming out on PC. Apparently, this is like a pure Switch exclusive. Really? It, at the moment, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. only on the Switch. Yeah, because I was looking oh. for it on Steam like literally last night, and I was like, "What? It's not here." That it's is weird. very odd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Frantically googling, can I run this on my Steam Deck? <laughs> like, no, it's <laughs> Switch exclusive. That's all you get. <laughs> oh no, I'm totally kidding. Only partial good old, though. Good old YouTube. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, here's another one, uh, not going to be to everyone's taste, but um, worth noting because I know that there is an audience out there for it. So this game is called Samurai Maiden, and uh, if you're a fan of like other kind of, what, what's the right way to put it? Um, Senran Kagura. Fan yes, fan y action games along the lines of like a Senran Kagura. This will probably be up your alley because it's it's definitely going for that same vibe. 
Um, it's by uh, being published by D3 Publisher, which I guess is affiliated with Bandai Namco. I didn't know that, but um, but yeah, it is just plain and simple. It's a combat action game where you control a trio of samurai girls who are, have been translated back to the uh, I, I don't know his uh, historical era of Japanese history that I'm not familiar with. Um, but you know. uh, no, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, Nobunaga is there, so you know, you get to control these three samurai girls and Nobunaga, the famous <laughs> Japanese famous samurai war girl. general. So yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it seems like yeah. a less lewd Senron Kagura, but also the girls kiss now if you're into that. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. You know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. I, I don't want to um, get too into it, but I, I, I um, I, I, I have. well how is it gameplay okay well i I expect a full report honestly it's it's possible actually yeah because i i I think i i am writing a review on it i haven't i i just got sent a code but i i I may actually like write a review for it um but gotcha you know it's you know just to keep things quick and easy it's 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 actually fine it actually looks and runs great on the switch i was surprised by how how crisp it was Mm. and uh which is nice because i expect it to be like super blurred um but, uh, but yeah, no, it looks great, runs great. Uh, my only issue is that the combat isn't as fluid as I would like it to be. Definitely not as fluid as Senran Kagura. Um, you know, I, I played a lot. A little of, more stilted, you mean? Yeah, it, it feels a little, you know, for lack of a better word, just feels very stiff. However, I will say that the more you get into the game, you actually unlock more abilities that give you more button inputs, which I find very weird because when you start the game for like first couple hours, you're basically doing the same three you know uh, uh button prompts over and over again same animation every time mm-hmm. but as you go through right. more of the game and you have to create a sort of um you know an, an affinity and a sort of um, admiration towards you know your you know the other samurai um you get new abilities that way and then that increases your move set so that way instead of just pressing x all the time you can do x x x and then y to add you know another move to your move set but it just makes everything feel so stiff and um slow because of it and it's it's problematic because i don't know how many people are going to be committed to playing the game all the way through when the combat is literally it almost feels like it's fighting against you you know and and that is a bit of a problem Hmm. otherwise i mean the story is pretty compelling actually i mean it it seems like a real concept but it's actually surprisingly compelling yeah but it's you know it's a typical sort of isekai also um but uh but yeah it's not bad I'm, i'm enjoying it no, I mean, I will say just, like, I, I'm almost always down for a good combat action game like this, where it's just all about this stylish combat and just fast-paced and just over-the-top action, and this definitely looks like that. And um, I think even if the art style and all that is not necessarily to your liking, I think there's still a lot of good qualities in this game, so yeah. I'm glad to hear that it runs well on the Switch. Yeah, was I was surprised, concerns. yeah, because yeah. everything that I saw for it was either on PC or PS4, so I was a little worried, but it, it's really crisp, like, on the Switch. It looks really, really good. Awesome. Um, uh, this, this is another, here's another game that just came out, um, and I'm not super familiar with this franchise, but I know it's very popular over on YouTube. Um, lots of people like to watch it. So there's a, a stealth horror game called Hello Neighbor, and it recently got a sequel that just launched on a bunch of platforms, including the Switch. And uh, yeah, that game is out now. Um, I don't know too much about it. I, I'm familiar with the concept, like you're like trying to sneak into spaces and figure out secrets and not get caught. 
Um, I don't know what this game is so different about other than it's just bigger in scope. Um, but yeah. yeah. Either of you guys have any experience with this franchise? Not really. I mean, Hello Neighbor was pretty big back when I was like in beta or early access, I think. But I haven't heard like anything about it or the series in general since. I didn't even really know that it was a series, so... <laughs> Yeah, I've like yeah. accidentally. I know it sounds weird, but I've accidentally invested a lot of time into it <laughs> because, <laughs> and I I say accidentally because I've tried time and time and time time to get uh, again to get into it, but dude, that first one was just so broken. Man, like, never mind the beta. I'm it's, talking about it's like very well, janky. Yeah, like well after it came out, and then hide and seek was a little bit better, um, because it felt more focused instead of just doing this sort of you know deep. I don't want to say open world, but this sort of open area um, game, you have the, you know these large-scale um, sort of uh, sandbox levels instead. Um, so it was a little bit better. And then Secret Neighbor, as broken as that game was, um, was actually a surprising amount of fun. I had fun with that one. Um, but Hello Neighbor 2, um, I played the alpha a while back. I just, again, I just got I, these things. I just keep stumbling upon this nonsense. I, I got a code <laughs> sent to me, and I was like, yeah, why not? And... Um, so I tried it, and I was once again very frustrated with it. I thought the whole thing was just so. Hmm. There's so much promise there because I like the idea behind Hello Neighbor, and I like the art style, and I like what they try to do with it. I think it's very unique and very different from your typical, um, you know, horror horror game. But uh, but yeah, and then now that Hello Neighbor Two is on Game Pass, I'm just like, well, I may as well. It doesn't cost me nothing. I may as well try sure. <laughs> try it out. So here I am, accidentally again stumbling on this thing. I don't know why, because I again I've already had a preconceived notion of me not enjoying this game. But I still want to give it a try to hopefully see what everyone else sees in it, you know, and I'll try to understand the popularity a little bit more. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think part of the popularity with this franchise was just that the more kind of cartoony art style to it helped it appeal to a younger audience. I think that's why it got a lot of traction on YouTube yeah. with the first game uh, in particular. I will say... Also, like I don't, I, the merchandising for that game has been weird because I remember when that game blew up, I was working at GameStop at the time, and we got so much product that was basically uh, a plush of the neighbor, and I'm like, who wants to cuddle? Like Forty-year-old dude. Yeah, and I'm like, who's who's wanting to cuddle with this neighbor, man? Like, you know? Oh you, my god! Like it's so oh. weird. Okay, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was at the mall. This is only partially related. But um, are you guys familiar with this horror game called Poppy Playtime? Yes. Have you guys actually, heard of this? I've played it. Yeah, I've played it. It's actually like okay. Really <laughs> it's okay. It's it's terrifying. You can buy plushes of the like monster in that game that chases you around. They were like selling them at this toy store at the mall where yeah, near where I that. live, and yeah. I'm like. What parent in their right mind would give their kid this demonic thing? I mean, yeah. look up, look up this monster in this game. It's freaking terrifying. Yeah, I wouldn't want like, that at give all. Your kid <laughs> like that sounds crazy. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to lay next to that. No, no, no absolutely not. No, that thing is definitely terrifying. <laughs> I, I will say the only thing that made sense horror-wise that was marketed hugely, that could still translate to being cute, was Bendy and the Ink Machine. You know, there was a lot of plushes and stuff like that. And, you sure. know, Bendy and all the characters, I've, you know, when they're smiling anyways, is actually really cute. But they, they do turn very, very messed up and frightening, you know, when you play the game, <laughs> the deeper you get into the game. But uh, but as characters themselves, when you, they look like how they normally look like in their quote-unquote animations, um, uh, they, they look really cute. So you can, you know, those translate into cute little plushes, cute little figures and stuff like that. But yeah, anyone who's played Bendy knows how terrifying that game can be. Uh, it's a great game. 
Yeah. Well, anyways, if if you're looking for something a little creepy, but maybe not in the full horror spectrum, um, Hello Neighbor 2 might be worth checking out. I have no idea how it runs on the Switch, so uh, no enter <laughs> with caution. But yep. yeah, <laughs> um, it's on Game Pass though. And so for anyone interested, there you go. Try before you buy. Um, and yeah, just real quick, I just want to mention it briefly because we talked about them on a previous episode, but there's a couple of games from Thunderful that we talked about, um, Swordship, Togs, and Wavetail. Uh, all very different games, and they are all out now. They launched them all like within a week of each other. So if you want to hear us talk more about that, go listen to that episode of the podcast. But um, yeah, they all look really cool in their own way. Mm. So glad to see them all out now. And that pretty much wraps up our show for the week. But before we go, we're going to end with our final segment. What has everyone been playing lately? Um, Nicholas, let's start with you. What have you been playing this past week or so? Um, I got a bit of a list, actually. <laughs> so Ooh, good. Because I've been, I finished Bayonetta 3. Um, I started and I beat right. Inscription. Uh, I've been playing through Monster Hunter Did Stories you? 2 again. <laughs> And also, I tried to spend a little bit of time playing Big Run and Splatoon 3. I didn't have too much time with it, sadly, but uh, I still was able to experience it. So, a lot <laughs> that I was able to do. I had a lot of free time. Okay, uh, I want to hear more about Inscription, now that you have beat that game. Um, what did you think? Uh, it's good. It's, it's interesting. The way that the game is... I'm going to try to stay relatively spoiler-free, because the game does have sure, quite sure. a few aspects to it but it it changes styles a few times in a way that's interesting uh while maintaining like a core sort of gameplay through line where the gameplay never changes up too much but it adds and removes certain elements based on what the style of the game is um and overall i really enjoyed it i think uh it definitely has a kind of how can i put it like pony island kind of ar horror style thing but it's not the problem with some games I find that have this is that they kind of go too deep into it. Like, they try and make the story mm. too much about... Well, it's just the game in general. Too much about the whole horror. Ah, uh, there's something evil on your laptop or whatever. Like, the sequel to Super Hot did that to an extent, and I really was not a fan of it. And I think Inscription kind of avoids that uh, by just still having a good narrative in of itself and also by just having really solid gameplay that constantly kind of tries to innovate on itself okay okay hmm. yeah i um yeah i still don't really know what to make of it I, I do just feel like i need to just sit down and play it because with everyone's talking in such vagaries around it i, I feel like <laughs> i don't really know what i'm getting myself into it's a okay just card answer this, game answer this one question for me okay is, is it a card game like I, I know you said that obviously like there's some like surprises and changes but do the cards remain like a central mechanic or yes. is it really just yes what the, core, okay. the, core gameplay, okay. uh, the core gameplay of the game is that it is a card game the general mechanics stay the same but they add or remove a lot of aspects and the way that you actually um build out your deck changes a little bit it is it's different depending the game's divided into three acts and each act kind of follows different mechanics but it's still a, gotcha. a card game throughout Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, I will definitely have to pick that one up at some point because sometimes that's the best way to get your questions answered about what a game is, right? Yep. Um, uh, well, Dennis, what about you? What have you been playing this past week? So, yeah, I've been kind of flopping between two. I wanted to revisit Digimon Survives. I've been playing that. 
and uh, having having a good time with that one. Um, you know, I, I think when I initially played it, I, I thought it was really, really good, and I reviewed it favorably. Um, but it was a game that I felt sort of dragged a little bit, and there was mm-hmm. sort of a misbalance between the visual novel segments and the uh, the actual, you know, tactical portions of the game. Um, you know, nothing as crazy as, let's say, you know, Utawarerumono, which I know is a crazy name, but it's a, it's a, a fantastic, fantastic series of games. Um, but those are like, like they let you know ahead of time, like this is a visual novel purely. Now you, you're going to have a couple of tactical segments in the game, but if you're going in expecting a Fire Emblem game or, or you know, Final Fantasy Tactics or whatever, it's you're going to be disappointed like this go in with the mindset that it's a visual novel instead and you'll be okay um mm. digimon survive i think did the opposite of that right where they kept marketing it as like here's this right. game with gorgeous art but it is a strategy rpg no it's not not really <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh you know but but it's okay because I, I mean i love visual novels anyways and i think now that i've you know taken a break and i wanted to revisit it and restart it um you know i'm, I'm having i'm having a great time with it um but, it's uh, got to be in the right mood, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and and again, I you know I reviewed it favorably, and I, I was very honest in my review, and uh, and yeah, but I just I really wanted to give it the proper time and attention, you know, without having the stress of you know having to meet you know embargo dates around it, you know. So, uh, but, uh, totally. but yeah, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. But the other game that I've uh, that I actually just started about uh, last night or two nights ago. Um, I wanted to start up uh, because we didn't get Dragon Quest Treasures. I was like, you know what? I think now, since I have it on PC now, um, let's go back and do Dragon Quest uh, 11s. You know. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. Ooh, good call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. So uh, started that up and really enjoying that. It is crisp on uh, on PC and it, it's cool because since I got the Xbox version, they, they it's a Play Anywhere title. So you you know if you buy it on Xbox, you get the PC version uh, completely for free as a complimentary thing, and vice versa too, which is really cool. So and I can pick up right where I left off. So if I want to play on the TV, I can just pick up right where I left off um, from when I was playing on my on my computer. So that's really awesome. Um, it's basically a Switch. Uh, basically, yeah, and I really like <laughs> like the Xbox Play Anywhere um, uh, sort of program that they have. I, there's not enough games I feel like there's on it. Like it was really just a handful of games that take advantage of it. But it's really cool to see something like Dragon Quest take advantage yeah. of it. Um, and I want the next big RPG that I get. Probably going to be Soul Hackers too, and uh, that's sort of the same thing. I know that's a Play Anywhere title, which is really cool. So I can play on Xbox, so I can get you know the big sort of cinematic you know TV experience. But then I can have the more immersive, you know my face two inches from the monitor <laughs> you know experience too. That's both worlds. so yeah um so yeah no it's really it's really cool and then of course you know being able to remote play you know on my phone or any other device that supports the xbox app i think that's that's awesome you know having that flexibility um and playing your games when you want to play them how you want to play them uh, without any restrictions i think it's great but yeah i've been revisiting um dragon quest 11s having a having a really really great time I've really wanted to start no, that game a couple have... of times in the last few months, and I just haven't. And man, just hearing about that really makes me want to start it again. <sighs> I've just been in an RPG mood, man. Like it's it's the last yeah. big RPG I played was what was it? Final Fantasy Nine. You know, played that, beat that. It's been a few um, years then, huh? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well, that'd be a couple of weeks, right? But uh, but yeah, I. Uh, I yeah, it's just I you know I got done playing that maybe even a couple months ago and then or a couple of weeks whatever and 
yeah, I, you know, took a little bit of a break, played some indies in between, nice puzzle games to, you know, have a nice little palate cleanser. And mm -hmm, then, uh, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, now I'm ready to jump back into a back big old in RPG. Yeah. Yep, nice. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think I mentioned this in the past. I, I do feel like I need to give Dragon Quest Eleven more of a shot, but man, like I just, I couldn't get over just how grating the music was. I know that's like such like not yeah. maybe a great reason in everyone's mind to put down a game, but I, I could not listen to the same song yeah. blaring in my ears. Honestly, I don't want to turn off the sound because no. like, I feel like I'm not getting the full experience. But yeah. I, I, It's funny you bring that up because I, I literally had to turn down the music bar, like the, the, sound, <laughs> the sound settings, because it was becoming too much. And you're da, right. Da, it's, da, da, da. Yeah, it's, it's, too, it's too epic. I mean, it, you know, it's good music, but like it's too epic and having it's it long exciting. Loop, yeah, that's what I mean. That's like right yeah. at the beginning, like you're, you know, your mother speaking to you and being like, oh, you know, you're, you're the luminary, you know, you got to go out and, you know, you know, basically save the world, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and she's being heartfelt. And then meanwhile, you got the damn theme song going on and it's this big happy-go-lucky. I'm like, this is not, this is more of a heartfelt moment. Why are you blasting this, you know, royal, you know, da-da-da-da, you know, like, oh my God, like, what is... It's like you have a marching band following you around right. everywhere, but they're everywhere, only the one dude. song. Yeah, in the and... bathroom, everywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. dude. It's crazy. We almost played that prank on my uh, on my principal in high school. We we for our senior prank, we thought about hiring a mariachi band to follow him around the school for a day, but we couldn't raise enough money. So it <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But it would have been like that. <laughs> yeah, would have been like that. Um, no, well, I, I'm. If you finish it, let me know because if you if you can manage to finish it, despite that, I will first of all be very proud, and second of all, it might actually encourage me to. To like truck through it, and yeah. And well, I, I was a bit worried to start it because you know, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in Crisis Core as well, but um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, it's not. A, I, I can I can wait. A bit, Too many uh, RPGs. You know. uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You have finished. Yeah, speaking of Crisis Octopath Core <laughs> and Fire Emblem and <laughs> well, you, everything else. Well, that's the thing, right? Fire Emblem's yeah. in a month. Um, yeah, I know. You know, we're we're scheduled to review that which is you know I'm, I'm taking the helm of that so like that's you know, i don't want anything to i don't want to pile on too much you know because between this and digimon survive that's that's a lot of hours mm. a lot of hours definitely yeah um yeah you mentioned crisis core and i have actually been playing a little bit of a bit of that lately um it's a really good port i'll say that um, i don't want to talk about it too much because i'm still kind of early in the game and i want to play some more of it but um overall i'll just say like from a technical perspective very impressive switch port like up there was some of the best third-party ports we've seen in my opinion i mean it just runs almost flawlessly on the switch um it, it feels it doesn't you can definitely still feel like the older elements of like the psp original game like you can definitely still feel like you know but it, it feels very at home on the switch because it started off as a portable game and the structure was always kind of designed for a handheld system and now you're you're getting this just like the best version of this game, and um, yeah, and it's also my introduction to really the whole Final Fantasy VII mythos. So yeah, um, that was kind of why I wanted to play it. But I'll I'll share more on, on that next week once I've played it some more. But the other thing I've been digging into this week is um, the DLC for Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Yeah, right. Um, I was kind of whittling away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it did um 
Yeah, it's been great, man. I, it, I'm so glad I have a reason to boot up this game again. You know, because I, I, I played the hell out of it when it launched on the Switch, because it, it was... It was like the game I was most excited for when the Switch came out because I didn't have a Wii U and so I didn't play the original Mario Kart 8. Um, but after the luster wore off, I just I didn't really have a reason to pick it up. And with all these courses coming back in, it, it's really just revitalized my love for this game. Yeah, it looked like some of the courses also looked just really nice. Like um, Rainbow Road in particular, the few videos that I saw of it, it looked like one of the better courses just even compared to the base game ones just visually at least yeah it it's i'd say overall it's still kind of a mixed bag but yeah some of the courses are really good rainbow road um it's it's kind of a version of the th one that was in the 3ds game that one looks beautiful um the merry mountain course is also just very strong yeah i think all the courses i mean it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag but most of the courses look really good the 3DS port of Rainbow Road in particular does really shine. I mean, coming from the 3DS version of that game to this is just, just a really quite the glow up, <laughs> I will say. Um, Merry Mountain is also just a really beautiful course. I mean, I'm a sucker for like holiday themed aesthetics in general. Like they did a great job making this game just look just like the, this course, I should say, just look really just magical. And um, it's, it's also just a very fun course. Um, I will say I am kind of getting tired of all the city courses though. <laughs> like it was cool at first, but they do all kind of blend together a little bit at this point. Like if you were to like put up footage of one of them, I mean, I guess I might recognize like some of the landmarks and stuff, but ultimately you're just, you're in all of them. You're just like going through a bunch of buildings and then the course changes between each lap and it's a little bit different and. I, I don't know. It may, it sounds like a weird thing to complain about, but I don't, I can see, I don't think I can, I'm the only one who feels I this can way. I sort of get it. I mean, it's also the fact that I, just from the looks of it, it didn't seem like, um, was it London and Berlin? The London and Berlin courses were too different stylistically. So I can imagine how those would blend yeah. in a little bit here. Yeah, that I think that might be part of it. I mean, yeah, because like when I think of like um, the Paris Promenade course, I mean, that one is great and it really stands out. But when I'm thinking of even like the Tokyo chorus compared to these ones, the Tokyo one came out in the last wave, they do all kind of blend together a little bit too much for me. Right. Um, I don't know. I'd prefer to see some other courses brought back oh. from like the DS and the Wii ones. There's still like five city mm. courses they can bring over, so <laughs> buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I mean, we do still have worth mentioning like 24 more tracks being added to this game yeah we're so, halfway done so still a lot more yeah it's crazy yeah i still can't get over how much content is being added like and i really don't know i mean it really feels like i hope this isn't the case but like where do you go from here because <laughs> the mario kart games have all kind of it's been their thing like we're gonna have some new courses and we're gonna bring back some old courses but if most of the notable old courses are in this game, like, what does that mean for the future of Mario Kart? I mean, they've got to really do something different, or yeah, they have I, to have something planned. I, I just don't know what it would be. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very hard to top. I do think it's very interesting that these updates haven't just been straight, like, hey, here's your new tracks, though. How they've actually modified the game in, like, little ways. 
where in this update they've ended up adding like the whole custom items feature and they also yeah. made some slight changes to how uh invincibility works where now you will no longer apparently it's um if you're hit by lightning while in your glider you won't fall to the ground anymore and also based on your cart you'll have more or less iframes after getting hit which is just some like you wouldn't expect the game to get what is basically like balance updates and those kinds of like new modes and features but they're doing that and that makes me wonder if part of it is kind of experimenting for what they're going to do in terms of the mechanics of the next game when we get there yeah that's a really great point it, it is weird that they're doing this now when the original game came out in 2014 you know but um i guess better late than never i don't know maybe yeah. they're gearing up to have some big mario kart league or something i don't know it's it's possible. I remember hearing rumblings um, about like apparently Mario Kart Tour on the you know on the phones secretly is Mario Kart Nine, so the next big console Mario Kart is just going to be called Mario Kart X. You know to represent the ten basically. Yeah, I don't know why I believe that. <laughs> yeah, but they I know they want to yeah. go towards which I think would be better honestly, um, especially with all this content that they have now in Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, go towards a sort of live service method. Um, Maybe not Ulan, but something you know akin to let's just say Splatoon, you know, and have those constant updates and just those that those content drops basically. Um, so just sort of using Mario Kart 8 Deluxe as almost like a stepping stool into something that's going to be absolutely, hopefully, massive, you know, for the next mm. big uh, console entry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It it's really hard to say. I, you know what I hope is going to happen? <laughs> well, maybe not hope, but uh, I wouldn't complain. They should just... You know, we're going to skip the next Mario Kart and just bring back Diddy Kong Racing. Let's just do that instead. They're going to make okay a big Diddy I'm Kong okay Racing blowout <laughs> sequel. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I would actually be thrilled about that. But uh, Or, I mean, you know, they did this with all like the DLC from Mario Kart 8, but go full crossover, man. Bring in all the Nintendo characters. Make it the Super Smash Brothers of Mario Kart. Like... Let us race like, let us like, race as Samus and Link and all these Nintendo characters Give me Kirby. going through all the different Nintendo brand worlds. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, oh, and there's just so much potential. Like, like instead of like the traditional power ups, like man, like Kirby's power up is like he can like suck up his enemies and spit them out somewhere else on the course or something. Like I don't know, man. So much they could <laughs> Remember do. Remember the, the, the Smash reveal trailer for Rosalina, how it started with the characters on Rainbow Road and you had Kirby That's racing right. with them? Why? How is that not a thing yet? Why have they not made that a I thing yet? I don't remember those. Wait, did that really happen? Yes, that was how the Smash yeah, reveal trailer started. It was like Kirby racing with the other characters on Rainbow Road. It was like Diddy Kong, or sorry, Donkey Kong and like Mario. And I think someone crashes and then they find a Luma and then it reveals Rosalina. But Kirby is there, carting with them. Let that be reality, please. <laughs> oh, you're talking about like the Smash Bros. for yeah, for, for Wii U, like back in twenty. Uh, yeah. God, what thirteen, fourteen? So around yeah. that old yeah. one. Oh yeah, yeah, there he is. I'm watching the trailer right now, but Kirby is not in a cart. I should mention well, he's on his little super. Which is even better. Do that. <laughs> it fits yeah, so well. sounds good. Yeah. Bring back Kirby Air Ride, you cowards. The people have spoken. Right. All right, folks. Well, that is our show for the week. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and listening to us ramble about video games and other nonsense for way too long. Uh, we really appreciate everyone's support. 
And uh, if you like the show, please spread the word. We are on pretty much every audio streaming platform that most people would listen to, from Spotify to Audible to, you know, Google Podcasts. And if there's a, some obscure platform that we are not on that you listen to, let us know and we might be able to put it up on there too. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. We will be back at you next week. Oh, actually, you know what? Let me take that back. Also, Louise is not here right now, but I just want to say shout out to Louise. Louise edits this podcast every single week, does a great job, and we all really appreciate him. So we yeah, would not have this show without yeah. Louise. Yeah, he's, he's the real VIP. Yes. And um, yeah, hopefully we will have him back on the show soon. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you everyone so much for listening, and we will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys later.